0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. As an institution, Bible Baptist Church has a mission. Mission is the Great Commission, if you like. It's commonly called the Great Commission that is given to each individual church. And you know how the Great Commission goes. In Matthew chapter 28, right at the end of that particular chapter, you will find, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's the first phase of the Great Commission. We're supposed to preach the word of God and lead the people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Then the next phase is baptism. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Meaning, you add them into a local church. Let them become a part of a local church so they may be grown in Christ. Then the third phase teaches teaching all things that may observe. In other words, you need to preach them, you need to win them to Christ, then you need to baptize them, then you teach them whatever the Christ commanded us to follow. And that's the mission of our church, but then again we have a vision for the church. The vision for Bible Baptist Church is to build a multi-ethnic ministry in this region of South Bay area by preaching the goodness of Jesus Christ to win, then to disciple brothers and sisters to carry out the great commission to be more like Jesus Christ. So that takes three phases. As you may see, there are three posters on the wall there. And the first one goes, come to Christ. It's over there. that's, That's the wall here. Come to Christ. That means every one of us needs to come to Christ. Then the second poster is grow. Is it grow in Christ or through Christ? I even forget this. Okay. The growth is the second part. You're supposed to be saved, then grow in Christ, then the third one is to serve through Christ. So the three steps we felt, uh, this is the vision that God has given to our church, and that those three steps, Eventually, we all try to be more like Jesus Christ. So that will be the ultimate goal for us. Every born-again Christian should be more like Jesus Christ. And that's the reason Christ came and died and bled and went back to heaven, that we may be saved, we may grow in Christ, we may serve him till he comes, that we may be more like Jesus Christ in preparation for our eternal life in heaven. In order to do that mission, there is the environment. Nothing just happens in a vacuum. And th- those four words there, prayer, sowing, word, and fellowship, those are right out of the second chapter of the book of Acts. And we felt unless there is an environment that is conducive to what we try to do as a church to accomplish the vision, we've got to somehow create that circumstance so that we will be most productive in what we do. And we felt prayer is one. We need to pray for power because we cannot accomplish anything without his help. Then there's a sowing. Unless we are genuinely interested in going out and try to win people to Jesus Christ, sowing is not going to take place. People will not hear the good news of Christ. There are many churches at the corner, but churches are meant to go out. The first part of Great Commission is going, therefore. It's not like a shop. You do not open a shop and just wait for the customers to come. Church is a very different institution. It's a spiritual institution. God wants us to go individually or as a corporate body. That's why the church is here, to go out to the community where people actually live. We were out yesterday, for example. Many of you were out yesterday door knocking and also visiting some homes. And uh, I was uh, visiting uh, Chris Padilla. Is Chris here this morning? Chris is not here. Chris is the young man, 18 years old, and uh, he's into uh, one of those, the, uh, what do you call it, UFC fighting uh, events. And his parents got baptized during last month. Her mother got baptized four weeks ago, and two weeks ago, his dad got baptized, and this is what he said, I need to get my brother baptized also. None of this will happen unless church is mobilized to go out, and preach the gospel or share the goodness of Christ with the people where they are. We do not open our doors and hope that people walk in and hear the gospel. Yes, we hope that too, but the church is given a command to go where people live, where the world is, where people suffer, where people have genuine needs. Unless we go out to the world, we won't be able to see the real needs of the people. That's why church is becoming so isolated today. The pastors are living in ivory towers, living in wealthy homes in different ways because they are segregated or separated from the world itself. But I'm digressing here. So There's a prayer and soul winning for eternity. Then word of God. word of God is for growth. It's a spiritual food. Then we have the fellowship. You'll have a fellowship after a service today that to connect each other. That way they will try to create an environment where you can can grow as effectively as possible. So the whole point is, God gives us a mission, then there's a vision, God gives us his will. All these are done so that we'll do it with clear purpose in life. Nothing just happens haphazardly in the economy of God. Everything is planned by God. He has the foreknowledge of things to happen. In other words, he knows the future. He knows before it happens. So he has a mission. He has a vision. He has a will for the church. He has a will for you. And he has a perfect plan for each one of us. This morning we may wonder, yeah, I trust Christ, but what is my will in my life? I just do not know. That's okay. Join the club oftentimes. I do not know whether I'm in the center of God's will either. It can be very foggy at times, but God gave us enough steps of understanding. So we may know exactly that we are going the right path, which will eventually lead to the perfect will of God. But this is not going to happen overnight. But this will take certain steps. As you take those steps, the fog or the, uh, the unclearness will begin to dissipate. And you will begin to see what God wants to do with your life. And towards the end of the, that journey, you will say, yeah, I am in the center of God's will. I know because the Holy Spirit gives you the conviction that you are in God's will. That gives the confidence. That gives you faith. That gives you desire. That gives you the service. That gives you the uh, hope to be in heaven one day because now you know that you are in God's will and you are doing what God wants you to do and you know whatever you do will be pleasing to his sight. But today, unfortunately, many Christians are simply drifting. Trusting Christ is easy. Becoming a Christian is simple because salvation is a gift of God. You don't really have to do anything except simply trust, repent, and believe on Jesus Christ. But once you become a Christian, walking as a Christian, knowing His will, can take some effort, but as time goes, it should be a lot more pleasurable. It should be rewarding. It should be deeply satisfying. It should give you that. Desire, unction to do more for Christ as you become more mature in Jesus Christ. That only happens when you begin to appreciate that you are in the will of God. If not, you'll continue to drift like a ship in the middle of ocean. No direction, just simply drifting with the waves and hope that the one day you'll reach a port somewhere. That's not going to happen. I'm nothing. it's hard, but it takes some effort to accomplish what God wants from each of our lives. Yes, anything in life takes effort. You get a job, you've got to put in certain hours, it takes effort. You have a child, it takes a lot of long hours. You've got to get up in the morning, get up during the night, it takes effort to raise a child. Everything in life, as long as we are here on earth, because of Adam's sin, we are supposed to sweat and work till he comes. So this morning, let me give you our four steps to understand better what your will is all about. Go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, please. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, It's an appeal from Apostle Paul. In other words, it takes some effort. I appeal with you. I appeal to you. I beseech you, therefore, the next word is brethren. He's talking to brothers and sisters in Christ. Those saved who have trusted Jesus Christ. So this message this morning, if you are not a born-again Christian, If you have not trusted Jesus Christ this morning, what I'm about to say in the next 20 minutes or so may not mean very much. Because the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm talking to you, brothers and sisters, who love Jesus Christ and who have trusted Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. It can be useful as a lesson, it might be a spiritual enlightenment to some, but unless I have trusted my Lord, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior, next two verses do not read much. As a matter of fact, it's going to bother you. Because everything the Bible teaches in some way goes against my grain, against our culture, against our upbringing, against my education. It's difficult. So it is the audience is the born-again Christians this morning. Perchance, if you do not know Jesus Christ, your personal savior. Let me put it this way. I was not a Christian till I was about 24. I was a graduate student at the University of British Columbia up in Vancouver, Canada. I was doing, what else, Master of Business Administration to make tons and tons of money and get into business. That's very humanistic thinking. That's what the worldly teaches. And that was the kind of a step life I was in. But one day I was invited to a gospel meeting, and I had a gospel, and there was something. Something I've never heard in my life. I've never heard that I'm a sinner. I've never heard there is hell in heaven. I never really heard that Jesus Christ came down and died for my sins. Everything is news to me. But fortunately, they were good news to me. On that very night, in a small YMCA building up in Burnaby, British Columbia, I went to a small room with the pastor and I prayed the sinner's prayer and asking God to forgive me and trusted him as a personal savior on that night. That was October the 24th, 1976. That was my turning point. Immediately, I left the school. What's the point now? going through a master's program in business administration, become a businessman, and makes a lot of wealth. And what is the point if my life is not confined to this earth, but my life continues on even after death? So this message is really for us. But Chance, if you do not know Jesus Christ, even after the service, there will be people around you asked a question, how do I get saved? Just like the Philippian jailer said to Paul, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So he's talking to the Christian, but watch with me, look with me, uh, brethren, by the mercies of God, that he present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's the first step. That is called the first step of submission. And the Bible says, E, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present means volitional. You do it. I cannot do it for you. Somebody else will do it for you. No. It is establish- You do it. E, present. I must present myself. E, present yourselves a living sacrifice. Sacrifice means dead. Sacrifice has to be killed. But the Bible teaches us you must become a living sacrifice. It's very ironical. Does not make sense. How can I live when I'm still dead? A living sacrifice. That's what Christianity is all about. Christianity is somewhat against the against the world, against the thinkings of the world. Bible teaches be, present your body as a living sacrifice. How can I possibly do that? but if you continue to study the Word of God and begin to understand some things that the God has in mind. For example, Galatians chapter 2 speaks about, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm already dead, but nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So Christian living is no longer I try to live for Christ. It is no longer I, Timothy, try to please the Lord as much as possible. That's the worldly thinking. That's the humanistic thinking. But the spiritual, the biblical thinking is no longer I, but Christ liveth through me. I'm available as a sacrifice, as a vessel for Christ, that he may live through my life so that he will accomplish what he wants to do. That takes submission, that makes you need to say, Lord, I am nobody. I'm willing to sacrifice a few things. I'm going to throw my ambitions away a little bit. I want to change my priorities. I want to do certain things, and I'm going to discard certain things that I may be submissive to you. The world does not teach that. The world teaches about liberalism. Be what you are. Be what you can be. This is your world, your destiny. Do what you can, but the Bible teaches be submissive. Then I will do something for you. That's the total opposite of the world. So many people today, especially young people, educated people, professors, they refuse to hear the word of God. Why? Because it preached the heart. Bible teaches that you are sinners in Christ. You need to be submissive. That is not right. Where would you hear anything negative when you go to a meeting? In every other meeting, usually it's a self-help kind of meeting and try to encourage you, try to build you up and make you some, some kind of person that who, is, you are, who, 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 who you are not really. But when you come to the church, when you sit under the preaching of God's word, the Bible says you are not that perfect. You are a sinner in God's sight. You repent. So people refuse to come, especially young people, especially educated people, elite people. Until, until they have some children, they get older, they begin to face death. The Bible teaches the step of submission. It's the first step. You may say, how can I be submissive to anything? There's a very simple way to become submissive. I'll say it very clearly. If you love someone or something, you are willing to make sacrifices and changes in your life. It does not take much effort. When you really enjoy doing something, you will start making sacrifices for that enjoyment. When you really love somebody, you will start making sacrifices to please that person. If you truly love Jesus Christ, what he did for you, you will begin to make some sacrifices. You may say, Jesus has done anything for me. That's what I thought too. Who is Jesus to me? Jesus is nobody, I thought, for many years. For many years, Jesus meant absolutely nothing to me. That might be the case with you this morning. But if you truly love Jesus Christ, it's not sacrifice you're making. Let me share a person from the Bible. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses had everything, but he was willing to forsake everything for the sake of Jesus Christ because, for the simple reason, he loved God. If you love your wife. You want to please that person as much as possible. If you love your husband, you'll do anything for him. If you love Christ, it is not that difficult to sacrifice some of the things and become submissive in the Lord. Interesting, brothers and sisters. Bible gives us a number of people, uh, people in the Bible, in the Old Testament, New Testament, I dare say just but every person that God ever used in some way was submissive. You go through the list of Old Testament prophets, Old Testament people, whether it's the, um, let's say, Abraham, Noah, David, uh, Elijah, Elisha, you name some people. Every one of them was submissive. In the New Testament, Paul, Peter, John, you name them, every one of them was submissive to Christ and to his word. Unless I decide myself this way, unless I'm determined to be submissive to Christ, I know I will never find my perfect will. Because that's the first step. If I cannot get over the first hurdle, I know I cannot get to the next phase. Yes, Christianity requires some suffering. We have, some, um, we have a sister three here, for example. She's from Cambodia, as you know. She suffered tremendous, tremendous tragedies when she was much younger. She's still young, but she's much younger. As you know, in Cambodia, there was the, the killing field, the uh, uh, potpal, right? And the, the killing and everything. She went through those killings. And she appreciated what life is all about. I did not go through the Korean War. I was in the military, but I never went to a war myself. But the, uh, I somehow appreciate what sacrifice, or suffering. is. But in this generation, especially young people, you are so fortunate. Everything is given to you on a silver plate just about. And do not think that is what life is all about. Adventure. Travel overseas. Go to difficult places. Go to poor countries. Exotic places. And try to appreciate what life is all about. Because as a Christian, sooner or later, you will be asked to suffer for his name's sake. That will come. Yeah? In the States, that day will come. Perhaps not today, but as we've seen so much in the last few years, everything is taken away just about now. Yes, I see the grips of trial and persecutions beginning to come upon the churches and upon born-again Christians. The day will come that you may have to take a stand for the name of Jesus Christ or suffer for it. It takes submission. It's so Bible to be, be present yourselves a living sacrifice. Then read with me, then verse 2, there is the uh, be not conformed to this world. The next step, the step of separation. Step of separation. Be not conformed to this world. In other words, do not go with the flow of the world. This is in passive tense. Be not conformed to this world. If you do not separate yourself, that means the world will conform you. You will end up following the world. Okay. It's the the first step was. Present your body, it's your volitional. I present my body. Secondly, be not conformed. I have to struggle not to be conformed with the world. Otherwise, I will become part of the world. God calls for separation. Because God is looking for clean vessels to use. God cannot use someone who is tainted with the sins of the world. Somebody who will come to the Sunday morning and worship and, glor- and glorify God and doing everything else, but during the week, if they live like devils during the week, God cannot really use that person. God wants somebody who is willing to separate from the world so that he may not be conformed to the things of the world. Listen to what the Bible teaches. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Know we not that the friendship of the world, friendship of the world, is enmity with God or enemy with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Don't get too cozy with the world. Get friendly with the world. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, listen to this, teaching us that. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. When Daniel was taken to the captivity, in chapter 1 of Daniel 1, Daniel, what was the first thing he did? I cannot partake king's meat. His meat, vegetables, whatever, I cannot take part of the king's meat. He asked for a special diet. He wants to be separated. He wants to be separated from the worldliness. And he boldly said, Test me whether my life of separation is better or not. After a few days, they tested with a diet. It's found to be Daniel is much better than others. Something about taking a step for Christ. God always comes through it. Henrietta Mears says, it's not something what God, it's not about what God can do. It's all about what we can do or we will do. God is always ready to bless us, God is always ready to do something great through us. It's nothing to do with God. He's an unchanging God. You can deny him. You can say God does not exist. You can say I don't know whether God exists. You can do whatever you like. Steve Hawking says life stops when your heart stops beating. And he's one of the geniuses of the day and is as an astrophysicist in England. He says, you know, when the heart stops, everything stops. There is no heaven. There is no hell. We're just dreaming. Everything just stops. Then guess what he says? But do your best in this life. What's the point? He does not even know whether God exists. But he says, Oh, do your best. Find your field and do your best. For what? That is drifting in the ocean. Be separate. Something about separation. I was not raised in a Christian home, I was drinking. As you are, as you were, till about age 24. Not in heavy drinks, but casual, friendly. I thought that was fun. Every weekend, as a student, every night, every Friday, every Saturday, we'll get together. We'll open up some beer cans and we'll discuss things of the world. We talk about everything from women. Everything in the world. That's what we students did, at least. And we thought that was the coolest thing to do during the weekend. Then we got drunk. By the time we drive home, you get over the gutter and miss the road and everything else. Then you felt you slept all Saturday morning and so on, and you felt still you're good. I did not know how foolish it had looked by someone else's eye till I stepped away from it all and looked at it from a distance. What a bunch of fools. Waste of time. Waste of talents. Waste of time. Just to do something. We're not going to see the real world unless you're willing to separate from the world. yeah. We are in the States. I'll be going down to Mexico tomorrow for a teaching. Each time I go down to Mexico, I get a totally different perspective of the world. It's for a different world. And unless I'm willing to separate myself from the things of the 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 United States, I'll never be able to appreciate what we have here. That's why God teaches us, be, do not conform to this world. Separation is a matter of your heart. Separation is a matter of replacement. You take something out, you put something in. Take out, and take in. For those who are CPAs and accountants, so it was a FIFA, first in, first out, or last in, first out, whatever, you must take some things out. It takes your heart. Lot was a born again Christian, he was a believer, but he was in the middle of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why he had very little influence with the people who got destroyed. But Abraham refused to be part of that world. He stood away on Mount Mamre, and he saw the world. And God blessed him because he was willing to take a step of separation. Difficult. Christianity can be difficult. But if you're submissive to God's will, there's no reason not to separate from the world. What is the world so great about? You tell me. Tell me one thing that world is great about. Money? Money? Yeah, it gives some pleasure. I can see that. My brother earns millions and millions of each year. Yeah. Money? At the age of 32, we are, we are all traveling. My whole family, family of traveling on business class around the world at the age of 32. Money, it gives you some pleasure, but that does not give you the eternal satisfaction or the joy or thanksgiving in the soul. Only God can give to you. The step of separation is the second, and I want you to see the step of Sanctification, in the same verse, verse 2 Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, be transformed by the renewing of the word of God. You must be submissive. You must separate from the world. Then you must be willing to be transformed. You know what a transformer is. It's the same machine. But turns into a totally different shape of machine, transformer. I'm sure you all know this because you have all been watching transformers. I don't know how many how many uh, pictures out there, are. I'm sure you have seen them all. But the uh, you know, I haven't seen any of them. But Bible teaches us: be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is to Satan's battleground. Your mind is Satan's battleground. You will never become more like Jesus Christ unless you control your mind. Mind is constantly looking for new information, new things, new pleasures, new information, something better, something more exotic. And that's exactly what we try to do each day through internet, through surfing. Mass media is willing to supply that for you. A lot of networks today do not really report the news. They're all biased. Many of them are very, very biased. Very careful. Do not simply absorb everything, what they say. Examine. You have the mind to evaluate and analyze and what is right. What's the situation in Benghazi? Don't just listen to some of the politicians. You look into it and search it and see what is it? What is all about? You decide. Rather than let the world feed you with the information, and Hollywood is love to do that for you. With all the movies, entertainments, constantly saturating your mind with the filth of the earth, and you rejoice with them. And you may question why my life's the same? Why am I not changing much? What takes me to transform to be a better Christian? Unless you're going uh, to be sanctified. Churches. The definition of a church is what? It's a called out assembly of God. Called out. The people of Israel had to be called out of Egypt before they can do anything for them. The church has to be taken out. Born again Christian have to be taken out of the world that God can do something through them. It's always the called out, separation. Then God may transform us. And the transform is done through the word of God. That's why we are constantly asking you to read the scripture, read the Bible, meditate upon the truth, come to a Bible study, come to a Wednesday night service, because the word of God is for growth, word of God is life for you, and word of God will transform your life. John Newton said, you know who John Newton is about. He said, I am not what I might be. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be. But I thank God I am not what I once was. He's saying, I'm thankful to God that I am not what I once was. And I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Transformation. Transformation. It's the word of God. As you read the scripture of God, as you meditate upon the truth, let me encourage you. If you read, let's say, one chapter a day, that's fine, better than nothing. But if you're to read two chapters a day, if you're to read four chapters a day, if you're to read eight chapters a day, it's like this. Let's say you exercise 5 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes, 40 minutes a day. You know what the result is going to be. As a pastor, I often fail to read the scripture for my own sake. I read the scripture to prepare the word of God and the sermons and different things, but... I want the word just for me, just to feed myself. Without that, I'll go hungry. Sooner or later, I'll be spiritually bankrupt. Three out of four pastors in the United States do search the scriptures just to prepare sermons. Only one pastor out of four pastors spends some time with the word of God for their sake. We know the status of the church. In the United States, I said this last week, 26% of U.S. adults will never read one verse of scripture during this year. 26% of U.S. adults is not going to open up the Bible this year. They're not going to read one scripture. That's the situation. But the sanctification, transformation comes from the Word. From the Word. Not from the world. Brothers and sisters, It's my personal experience. I get temptations as much as you do. I'm not sitting on a top of a ivory tower. I get no temptations. I get no desires. You know, I'm holy all the time. So I'm sacred. No. I get tempted, as much as you do. Yeah, whatever it might be. It might be worldly pleasures, it might be opposite sex, it might be uh, the, the fame, or it might be power, whatever it might be. I get tempted as much as you do. Only way I know, I can escape that kind of a circle, catch-22 situation, is to I need to saturate myself in the Word of God. Because the battle is in the mind. Yeah. Battle is in the mind. That's why, Bob, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. That's why when you hear the politicians, well-dressed, well-educated, they look great. But the circumstance change a little bit, becomes turvy, and what do they do? They start using F-words. They start using because their mind is filled with the things of the world. Yeah. That's real him. Yeah. We all look great this morning. You know, I got a suit on and you got your tie on everything. We look great. But that's not really the question. How are you doing when you're all by yourself? How are you doing all by yourself at 10 o'clock at night? All by yourself. Nobody's around. It's just you. What do you do? What kind of music do you listen to? What kind of thought do you entertain? What kind of sight do you uh, go into? That's real you. That's you. That's how wicked we are, even though we are saved by God's grace. As long as we are here on the earth, we'll continue to struggle. But the struggle will become a lot more easier as you become more transformed, more like Jesus Christ. So as you as you take these steps, steps submission, separation, then you come to an area where you want to transform by the Word of God. But let me let me quote a scripture for you. You can see them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, some interesting verses here. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every imagination. Gee, I wish I can be a successful businessman. Gee, I wish be someone. Gee, I wish be respected by everybody. Around. I want to be recognized. My name, I want to be recognized. They're kind of imaginations. And anything that is against the knowledge of God, we're supposed to bring every one of those thoughts into the obedience of Christ. When that imagination comes to your mind, you should be able to say, no, this is not right. I'm going to take you to the cross. This is ungodly, but I'm going to take you to the cross in obedience to Christ. Unless you control your mind, you're not what God wants you to do.
1: And I struggle with it.
0: I admit it. You struggle with it. Some pastors do more. That's why they fall into sin. That's why they fall into adultery. That's why they fall into fornication. Homosexuality. They fall into wealth. Mentions. All these are happening with the Roman Catholic priests and the pastors. If that happens to those bunch of people, who we think are spiritual, at least better than we are, if they suffer, it's the matter of time that we will suffer too, unless we be transformed by the renewing of a mind day by day, every day, every opportune moment. Just open the word of God and bury yourself, saturate yourself, that you may take every imagination, that take the obedience of Christ, that will stay clean before the Lord. Tough, yes. But Bible says, if you are looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ, who is holy, you should live holy, because He's holy. I struggle, you struggle. That's why we need to be transformed by the Word of God. Otherwise, we are playing games. Long time ago, Pastor Henniger from the States, Uh, Ohio came to Korea, and uh, he led an evangelistic crusade. And I, I was the interpreter for him for the whole week. First message he preached on that crusade was this, children at play. That was his message, children at play. He compared Christians. Ordinary Christians are children at play. Ordinary Christians are just like a bunch of children at playground. Whereas we should all be workers in construction. We should all be workers in construction. This was back in 1980, early part of the 80s. 30 years ago, in Korea. Imagine how much has happened during the last 30 years. That's why we've got to be sanctified, transformed. Very quickly, one more point that I'm done. The final step is step of service. Step of service. The Bible says you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God boils down to service for God. You come, you grow, then you serve. As you serve, you become more like Jesus Christ. Unless you're willing to serve others and God, you're not going to change. We're not here to entertain ourselves. You are not spectators. You are participants of the worship. We do not just come so the preacher can preach and listen to what he has to say. Okay, I come, I'm just, a, I'm, it's not coming to a theater where you come to watch. This is part of worship. You're supposed to be a participant, join in the singing, in prayer, in preaching, everything else. It's part of service. We may, we may be submissive, we may separate, we may transcend so that we may prove, the Bible says prove, only I can prove my life. I may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And that perfect will of God will be accomplished as I prove myself, as I serve. But I'm not talking about just come and do the, do the kitchen, do the, play the piano. It's part of service. But it's a lot more than that. We begin as a living sacrifice. That's a total consecration, total service. Every ounce of my body, every ounce of my soul, every ounce of my spirit is given to God for his service. As I walk, I serve God. As I talk to you, I serve God. As you go to work each day, you serve God. It's part of service. It's part of your life. But unless you are willing to take the step of service, I am willing to serve others and God. You will never be able to prove what is the good Perfect acceptable will of God. As I said at the beginning, it's foggy. What is my will? I don't know. But as you take these steps, it will become clearer. Look at a child. When a child is born, he does not know what's happening, he simply follows the orders of parents. As he grows, Physically and mentally, he begins to see what life is all about. Christian walk is the same. At the beginning, everything is foggy. What is this all about? This is a waste of time, isn't it? I'll never get there. But as you take these steps of faith, you will begin to see what God's will is all about. Wow. You ever been to Grand Canyon in the morning when it's all covered with clouds? You cannot see anything. But as the, as the sun shines, you begin to see bits of Grand Canyon. The top portion of the canyon. Then eventually you will see all the Grand Canyon. Then what do you do? Wow. Doing God's will is like that. It's a step-by-step process. We'll be celebrating 27th of anniversary in two weeks. It's been 27 years since we began this church. But I can honestly tell you there has been more than 270 times that I wanted to quit and go and do something else. Yeah. More than 270 times that I was like, no, this is it. Church needs someone better. I cannot do it anymore. I don't like that family. I'll just quit and I'll just go and get a job somewhere else, to do something The longer you stay, you begin to see his will for you is unfolding. And I know one day when I get to heaven, I'll have the clear picture of Grand Canyon. Wow, that was what it's all about. So Rod and I quit and run. I wanted to stay and see what God can do that I may rejoice when he comes. Elijah was a farmer when he was called by Elijah. He dropped everything. He burned everything away. He followed Jesus. He followed Elijah. That was his calling. That's why we need to be trained. Disciple. Get to know there's a gentleman called, you may know, you're a lot more musically talented, there's a great violinist called Niccolo Paganini. He had a violin that he cherished. And he willed that violin to a city called Genoa in Italy. That was his city. Birth, uh, birth but he attached a condition to that. That was nobody will play on this again. So they brought the violin and the cage it and everything else and left it there to decay. The That's a problem with many Christians today. We are just children at play, just watching and be merry and happy. Hope somebody was to do the things. That's not what God desires. Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. The steps of a godly man or good man are ordered by the Lord. Take these steps of submission, separation, sanctification and service. And one day you will delight in his way. And that is faith. Not visible, but trusting God, trusting his word, and willing to take that next step. It might be a step of submission, it might be separation, whatever it might be. If you're willing to take that one little step towards God, this time of worship is not wasted. But if you all say, thank you, Pastor. We'll see you again. Kumbaya. If that's the case. We never lost the hour. Christians are needed in this hour. We are in a very spiritually dark world. You know that. God is looking for people who are willing to take a stand, And do something through him great. Let me challenge you, whether young or old, do something great for God. This is the hour. The whole world is turning against Christianity. This nation built on the Judeo-Christian principles is turning against the word of God. We cannot even pray in public in the name of Jesus Christ anymore. Imagine one day in a restaurant, when you pray with your children in the name of Jesus Christ, the restaurant owner may come in. You cannot pray here in the name of Jesus. You can pray in the name of Allah. You can pray in the name of anything else, but not in Jesus. That may, will come. It's not may come, it will come. Yeah, definitely. If you do not see that, you're a child of not living back in the 60s or 70s. We're living in 2014. Things are happening very, very rapidly everywhere. The Middle East, the Iraq, the Iran, the Syria, the Afghanistan, you name it. All is crying for something. What are they crying for? They are all looking for peace. We'll give our souls for the sake of peace. Israel Israelites will do anything. They're just dividing their lands up and giving them way to please the Palestinians just to secure peace in that land. Many of them will simply sell their souls just to maintain peace in that place. And we know who that person is going to be. Antichrist will come. And he will offer that peace. And the whole world will mesmerized by that person. And go after the person. Here is the man of peace we've been waiting for. Yes, let him have the world. That is Antichrist. We are living in the final days. Make sure you understand what God's will is for your life. And do something great for God. Before it is too late.